and earth and continues to shake hearts and minds, setting them free and bringing to light the mystery of how we can be redeemed. The stone is rolled away. Thus death cannot hold us. Because Jesus is not just resurrected, he is the resurrection. Today we celebrate the greatest hope any living being could ever have, and that is the promise of going on living. Because we also celebrate the greatest victory ever won, the victory over sin and death. We celebrate life, we celebrate new beginnings, we celebrate the fact that we always have tomorrow, whether here on this earth or in paradise with the Lord, and the Lord is with us in both of those places, and that's the best part of all, because of what happened on that cross. What happened on that cross? Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, was sacrificed for our sins. He was the perfect and final Passover lamb, the lamb that was slain so that death now passes over us. But our true joy, the life-changing, history-shattering, how can it be unless, unless Jesus really is the Lord Then all that he taught us was true, that he is the resurrection and the life, and all who believe in him, though they perish, yet shall they live. Our true joy, the sunrise at the end of the darkest night, that no matter what else happens, we can overcome news, is that Jesus didn't just die on the cross for our sins. He walked out of the tomb on the third day, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. The stone was rolled away. And in a nutshell, that's what we celebrate today. The stone being rolled away. The stone that separated the dead from the land of the living. The stone that separated us from our Lord. The stone that hid the mystery of death that caused distress and worry, that hardened hearts and left others cold, and left some hearts broken and sorrowful. The stone was rolled away, and it was very large, as Mark, the master of the understatement, points out. Later, he appeared to the leaven as they... Let's stick with the verse I was on. Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, or it was very large. Nothing ever again separate us from our Father. The stone has been rolled away. Nothing will ever stop us nor grieve us beyond consolation unless we fail to recognize what that rolled stone meant and allow other stones to stop us. The stones of our lives, the stones in our hearts, it's nothing short of disbelief now that can keep us down. Later he appeared to the living as they sat at the table and they rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe. The very first ones who should have believed had a hard time believing. But ultimately they did, of course. But we're not among those who disbelieve. We don't have those stones of disbelief in our hearts. I hope. We're not among those who shrink back and are lost, as Paul warned the Hebrews about and assured them that they weren't. We're not amongst those who shrink back and are lost, but among those who have faith and are saved. We're among those who have faith and are saved. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen? Let's read the story from Mark. Find Mark chapter 16, if you are so inclined. We've worked our way through the entire gospel of Mark, and just by coincidence, happened to be at this part of Mark on Easter Sunday. Coincidence, right? And we culminate our study in what is believed to be the first written account of the life of Christ today with the greatest news of all time that Jesus has written. So we're going to start in verse 1 of Mark chapter 16. 
When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week, which we know is Sunday. They came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, verse 8, and trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they're afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that he appeared to another in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven, and they sat at the table, as he sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. No, it actually says amen there. <laughs> so that's quite a story. And I love the way Mark kind of kind of gives a synopsis of everything that the other Gospels expand on. He's got it all there, just the Reader's Digest version. So, first thing Sunday morning, the day after the Jewish Sabbath, which was our Saturday, the ladies who followed Jesus are heading out to the garden where Joseph of Arimathea had graciously allowed the executed Jesus of Nazareth to be laid in his own tomb wrapped in a new linen cloth that Joseph had purchased. This was a brand new tomb and a brand new cloth. This wasn't some old rag that was laying around. And this was a bold act for someone of Joseph's position and wealth to align himself so closely with someone who was being executed as a convicted traitor to both Rome and Israel. But now it's done. The deed is done. Jesus is enclosed in a sealed tomb, dead and buried until it probably would be opened again until much later when his bones would be placed into what they called an ossuary, a much smaller box, and stuck probably into a niche in the back, back of the tomb to make room for, for more of the family. Just kind of the way it was done. It's all done. Jesus is dead and buried. At some point we'll put his bones in a box. It's all done. Life goes on. But there are some disciples who aren't quite ready to walk away from it all just yet. They want to anoint the wrapped body of Jesus with the traditional fragrant oils that will offset the nasty smell of decay. Why? No one would likely know the difference. But this is just a pure act of pure love and devotion. 
And maybe, maybe they're wondering, maybe we don't know what they're thinking, but we don't dare hope they're probably thinking, but maybe it's not all over yet. We just feel like we have to go. We have to do this. I mean, can it really be? Can it really be done just like that? The men are convinced. They're hiding out. They're not coming over here. They're hiding in fear and shame, making preparations to head back to Galilee, go back to fishing or whatever they were doing. But they're thinking, he did raise the widow's son. They did raise the daughter of Jairus, and of course, Lazarus, he's still walking around with us. But how can he raise himself? That's never been done. And we heard him say on the cross, it is finished. Sounds pretty final to me. But we have to go to the tomb. His body deserves one last honor. So the, but the ladies face this vexing problem. There's this very large stone rolled against the entrance of the tomb. And typically for a tomb, such as a rich man like Joseph would have, the stone was cut to fit, tight against the opening, and it would drop down into a channel using gravity to assist it in sealing the tomb. This opening the tomb was a lot harder than closing the tomb. It usually required levers and a lot of muscle, something the ladies were probably lacking that morning. We know from the other gospel accounts that there also just happened to be Roman guards and a seal on the tomb, and they were guarding the tomb, making sure nobody got in there. So, yeah, the ladies were certainly justified in their worries over how they're going to get into that tomb to anoint the body of their dear departed rabbi. But they had all believed that he was so much more than just another traveling rabbi, he, that he was even more than a prophet. They believed he was the Messiah, the Lord. He had freed Mary from seven demons, raised people from the dead, performed countless miracles. Nothing like this had been seen in Israel since the days of Elijah and Elisha. But he also talked about being killed. And he even talked about rising again. Really? They wanted to believe, but they had seen him die. His body torn and battered beyond recognition. And they were there when they laid him in the tomb. He was definitely dead, pretty rough shape. And they watched when they rolled the stone in place and they heard the sickening grinding of stone on stone and the final thud as it settled into place. Sickening in that it was a sound that signaled the ends of their hopes and dreams and left them to face the world alone from here on out without their Jesus. No more promises, no more miracles, no more stories of the kingdom, no more pure, unconditional love. But they knew, didn't they? They knew that Jesus was supposed to rise again. He had talked about it several times. And everyone who followed him, if they were willing to hear, they'd heard this. And so were they asking the wrong question? Who will roll the stone away? The question should have been, who has rolled the stone away, right? But they're thinking there's no one left who will say, Jesus, come forth. Because Jesus is the one who does that. Like he did with Lazarus. Let alone move the stone. We need a new computer. But it turns out the stone wasn't even the issue. The issue was their unbelief and their blindness and their grief. They were still looking at the world through the eyes of the flesh through the hurt and the pain, through the disappointment and frustration that had been the norm all their lives. 
but they're about to have all that changed forever, to use a term we've all come to hate. They're about to have a new normal. But this is a good one. But they had been running into stones all their life. Their old normal was problems, rocks everywhere. There was always stones in the way. There were, there were women in a patriarchal society, for starters, given very little respect or honor. They stood in the back of the synagogue while the men got to sit up front and listen to the teaching. And they listened to the men pray every morning, thank you, Lord, that I wasn't born a Gentile or a woman. They had to work and strive just to be noticed. If they wanted to be heard, and then when they were heard, they were seldom taken seriously. But then Jesus came along and looked them in the eye, talked to them like they mattered. He let them sit at his feet, the place usually reserved for a respected disciple. And he taught them with an authority that no rabbi or scribe ever could. And he laughed and cried with them like they were his own sisters and even his friends. He had rolled away the stone that left him feeling trapped in inferior status, even in the kingdom of God. Their perception had changed. He had rolled away the stones of shame, of self-doubt, of hopeless monotony void of all, of all purpose. They're, all of a sudden their lives had a meeting. Mary Magdalene had also been crushed under the unbearable weight of a stone placed on her by seven demons that taunted and abused her from within. This had surely been an unmovable, immovable stone, and, and she didn't even know how it happened. Jesus just told these demons to get lost, and the stone was gone. Shattered. And all this time she'd been living with this oppression, thinking she deserved it, and would just die a miserable wretch because of it. I mean, she had, after all, made some really bad choices in her life, as the demons delighted in reminding her constantly. Then Jesus comes along and rolls that stone away, sets her free. But now this stone, this stone's keeping her from the one who has done all that. How can this be? How can this just be it? Who will roll a stone away? And really, what does it matter? What's behind her? Jesus is still dead, and we'll be left without hope, left to face a world who knows that we've given aid and comfort to this discredited itinerant preacher who claimed to be the Son of Man, the promised one we've waited for for so long. We'll be lucky if we're not stoned to death before we get out of this city. But we don't care. Without Jesus, what's the point anyways? But that stone turned out to be no problem. And none of them would have imagined or maybe even dared to pray for the reality of what really did happen. Matthew gives us a little more detail as to who exactly did roll that stone away. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Talk about a grand entrance. Can you imagine the angels standing poised at the edge of heaven just waiting for the word? We're ready to go. When can we go release the Lord? Who will it be? There's the sunrise. It's coming. It's coming. This must be it. And all of a sudden, you, go. The angel shoots down. I have no doubt. It. You should have seen it. It was cool. The sound effects are great. But I, I used to be a kid's pastor. 
I have no doubt that an angel can travel at the speed of light. And he hits the ground such force that there's an earthquake, and he shoves that rock aside like it's nothing. Guards, oh look, they look like they're a little bit scared, and they seem to have fainted, poor dears. I don't know if angels employ sarcasm, but I'm pretty sure my guardian angel does, otherwise we'll never get along. But somewhere in the midst of this grand angelic show, Jesus gets up and walks out of the tomb. Not just raised from the dead, but resurrected into a perfect glorified body. A perfect body that can eat, yet walk through walls. One that can walk down the road and have a normal conversation with a couple fellow travelers, and yet disappear in the middle of a meal at the end of the road. One that has flesh and blood scars that can be touched and seen. That can ascend to heaven like gravity is nothing at all. And this is my favorite part. He does all this grand stuff, puts on his big show, crashes to the earth in the speed of light and makes this earthquake, shoves a stone aside, and then he just sits on it. He's at a tailgate party, and this is his lawn chair. Gonna watch the show here. He watched the Lord of glory walk out into the sunlight like, like it's the first day of creation when he said, let there be light, and he says, it is good. And then this honored angel just sits there on the rock and watches as the guards finally recover their wits and run off like children who are being chased by hornets. Off you go now. Fine day for a resurrection, Gabriel. Well, yes it is, Michael. It's the finest of days. At some point, another angel joins them, according to the other Gospels, and I don't know if it's Michael or Gabriel, but why not? The only ones whose names we know. The angel, or one of the angels, then goes inside to sit and wait for the ladies. But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large, and entered the tomb. They saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they're alarmed. Here again with the understatement. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. So it turned out the ladies were waiting, wishing and worrying about the wrong thing. The stone wasn't a problem for the one who had the power to overcome death. In fact, it sounds like the heavens had a lot of fun in getting rid of that puny little rock. Point made. Rock? What rock? Jesus is risen. Mic drop. How often do we focus on the stone? Beat our heads against it. Rail against it. Pray about it. And finally just give up and camp on it because, well, it's not going anywhere. The Marys and Salome knew that there was death and decay behind that stone. They didn't believe they could do anything about it, so they just focused on the stone. Stupid rock. Who's going to move this rock? If only we could have done this the other day. Before they sealed the tomb, maybe we wouldn't have to come back now and worry about this rock. If only Jesus hadn't come back to Jerusalem. If only the priests had listened to Jesus. If only Jesus had been nicer to them. Played their games. If only. There's always enough only, isn't there? But we can't go back in time. What's done is done. So now all we can do is worry about this big rock that's blocking the way. Am I talking about these ladies or us? Both. I'm always preaching here that you need to trust Jesus. That you need to recognize who you are in him. You need to accept 
the love and freedom and get serious about following and obeying, to have faith and just let go, to take his plan and his call on your life seriously. Everyone knows they should, and some even want to. But it's hard, I know. We too often get caught up into things that are in the way. I can't trust Jesus now. I mean, I can't really follow now. I can't really get to my Lord because this stone is in my way. I have to deal with it. Or I guess just live on this side of it. Scared, alone, and hopeless just as well. I mean, the situation is hopeless anyways, right? There's nothing on the other side but decay. Well, that's just a lie. A distraction to keep you from even going to the tomb. At least the women had the faith to go there, to go to Jesus, even expecting little when they got there. All we need is a stone removed, please. The mustard seed of faith they had was rewarded. And they realized that their stone, just like the one Jesus had rolled away from their hearts while he was here, was gone. Your stone can be many things. Drugs, eating, money's, money words or money grubbing. It can be gambling, emotional scars, alcohol, pornography, physical pain, sickness, job issues, family issues, the cares of the world. There's plenty of those. The love of the world, anxiety, depression, all of them huge stones that we push on and push on to no avail. They're just there, keeping us from the Lord. Well, maybe I like my stone just fine, thank you. Excuse me, Michael, I'm sitting here. Let's just share this stone. The reason I'm passionate to you about preaching to you about trusting Jesus and the reason you don't get fluffy, feel-good messages here that do not challenge you to go deeper, to press closer to Jesus and the Father, is because I found that the stones that had been holding me back for so long and keeping me from the Lord were causing me nothing but grief. Stones I thought I liked. They were causing me to miss out on such an incredible joy and peace that when I realized that the stones had just rolled away like they weighed nothing, it wasn't because I was pushing on a stone anymore, it was because I finally gave up and trusted Jesus. In the flash of lightning and the proclamation of he's alive, the death that had been hiding behind my stone was gone and real life was released, and I just want that for all of you. My biggest stone was being stoned. I spent years running around, running my own life, seeking everything I thought my flesh needed and wanted, but I got farther and farther away from the Lord in the process until I felt like I was trapped in a tomb with no escape. And all I had in there with me was a bag of weed and a bottle of whiskey and some good time friends to help me consume it. You always got lots of friends when you have good stuff, so to speak. But I was seeing and feeling more and more that I was dead and empty inside. No amount of dope, not weed, mushrooms, cocaine, acid, speed, whiskey, beer, tequila could cover it anymore. All the parties always seemed to end in heartache, leaving me feel more lonely and empty than ever after every one. Even the good money I was making managed to keep a job. It was my justification for partying. I worked hard. And I got really good at welding, and I, was, I had a good job, but even there was no satisfaction in that. It was just, like, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel so empty? And I started to hear the Lord call from the other side of that rock. I'm here, waiting for you. 
But I didn't want to hear that. But finally, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I started hearing preachers talking about, the Lord has a plan for your life. I thought, really? My plan kind of stinks. And I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to get past that rock. So, But who's going to roll it away? I knew I couldn't follow the Lord. I couldn't be in his plan for my life if I was stoned every day. I have to get past this rock. So I tried quitting the drugs. No smoking, no drinking, no snorting, nothing for a month, I declared. I'm pushing that stone aside. Huh. Didn't hardly budge an inch. I didn't make it through the first day, let alone a month. Not only was I not moving that stone any farther, it was rolling back over the top of me. I cried, Lord, I don't want to be this way. I want to follow you. I, I really want to know you. I'll do whatever it takes. And this is what had been holding me back. I thought he was going to ask me to do all these crazy things. I'll, I'll read and study. I'll pray and preach. I'll make a fool of myself. Go to the deepest, darkest jungles, whatever. Just roll away this stone. I can't breathe anymore. can't stand to live this way. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The words of Psalm 118. In my desperation, I opened up my Bible that night for the first time in years, and these were the words that jumped out at me. The Lord on my side, I do not fear what command do to me. And those words became the messenger from God, my angel. I rolled that stone away, crashed to earth like light into my soul. That stone became paper mache. Turns out that stone wasn't the issue. The drugs to drink were hiding the death inside that was caused by my distrust in the Lord. My desire to maintain control over my own life. My real issue, my real stone, was the emptiness that came from running from God, from living for the flesh. I was worrying about the stone of addiction being rolled away when inside I was a rotting corpse. When I decided to take that walk to the garden where I'd last seen my Lord, to express my deep and unwavering love and devotion to him, when I declared that I would trust him, if we only rolled that stone away, that stone was obliterated. When the words of that psalm opened my eyes to see that I needed to trust Jesus and stop worrying about satisfying desires that never satisfied the flesh, that I needed to stop worrying about what all my good friend, time party friends think of me, to see that I would never be free unless I cried out to Jesus, I knew I had to trust him. Trust him with my life, my heart, and my soul. And he came crashing out of that tomb that I had locked him in in the dark recesses of my heart, and he set me free. And I was overwhelmed with such a feeling of peace and joy and love that I didn't want to do anything to blur that. I didn't want to get stoned anymore. I didn't want to drink anymore. The flesh was still bugging me. Hey, wouldn't this be good? I'm still here. I don't care. That stone is gone. I got Jesus. I'm free. And he's asked me to do some uncomfortable things. I never had to stand on a, preach on a street corner with a bullhorn. That was one of my fears. <laughs> I do embarrass myself once in a while. Hello. But he gave me a life and a purpose and a reason. And that it's just so incredibly fulfilling to know that you're walking in the Lord's plan, at least doing the best that I can. And I've been so blessed. Yeah, life still has troubles. But he's there with me. 
and I always have tomorrow to look forward to, whether here or there. So on January 21st, 1985, the resurrection part of Jesus who walked out of the tomb and embraced me set me free, and I've never looked back. And I've never regretted it for a minute. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now don't go out and play with snakes. This is just protection. They will take up my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they recover. I have a freedom and a purpose and the power of the Almighty God behind me now. It's available to all of us. If we really believe. When I finally gave in and quit running from Jesus, decided I trust him with my heart and my life, the desire to dull my senses with dope went away. I don't want to miss a thing. I did try it one more time. Let a friend come over and talk me into getting a stone with him. It was terrible. All of a sudden I felt alone and lonely again and I swore I'd never do it again. And I haven't. The stone has rolled away and it's glorious. We all need release from so many things. Hard things and release into good things. Jesus' release from the tomb and his return to glory represents our release from death as well. It wasn't just his resurrection. It was a resurrection of our spirits. A resurrection from the chains of sin, condemnation, and death. Freedom. Jesus' release from the tomb was our release. All of, Mary fears, all of Mary's fears were absolved when she realized, at last, what that open tomb and rolled away stone really meant that her Lord was alive. Jesus actually met her in the garden before she actually got out of the garden. First person that saw her alive, saw him alive. She knew he was alive and that death would never touch him again. Her grief, her sorrow and anguish, her fear of tomorrow, her insecurities about who she was, they're all gone. The stoners rolled away and they'd all fled. Vanished like the decaying and abused buddy corpse that she had envisioned lying behind that stone. So instead of the horrible sight and smell of death and decay, she was greeted by a messenger from heaven in gleaming white robe, assuring her that all is well. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said he would. The stone is no longer an issue. Nor is, that, nor is the death that once lay behind it. So the real miracle is not that the stone is rolled away. It's was that the death that lie behind it is no more. True life has been released. No more stone is going to hold it back. My miracle today, my biggest stone is rolled away, was more than I ever hoped for or expected. I just wanted to be able to get being stoned for a while so I could see what it was like to live, try to live in the Lord's plan. I wasn't expecting this life-changing, soul-filling experience expect something big don't just beat your head against the rock believe the Lord for something big to set you free to give you real freedom stop focusing on a stupid rock and focus on Jesus he loves you do not be alarmed a lot of things to be alarmed about <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary world, scary times, but 
That's not just the words of the angel. Jesus said that also. In this world you will have trouble, but do not fear. I have overcome the world. We're not citizens of this world. We live here, but we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ in this world, here to be a light, to make a difference. That's our purpose. We all, we all live that out in different ways, whatever is the Lord has called you to do. He doesn't call everyone to be a preacher. He doesn't call everyone to be a missionary to a foreign country. He doesn't call everyone to be a Sunday school teacher. Or some people are called to help people paint their house, fix some meals when they're sick, gifts of service. But whatever, whatever it is the Lord has gifted and called you to do, to be a light, to make a difference in this world, that's, we're all called to be ambassadors. We're all called to minister. We're all ministers. It's just whether or not you trust the Lord to do those things that he's called you to do is really that issue. And of course, whether or not you trust him with your heart in the first place. Trust him with your salvation. Trust him with your eternity. Oh man, I, I think I'm good enough. I go to church on Easter, Christmas. Maybe I go to church every week, but so surely I'm going to heaven. I used to sit in church when I was a kid and think, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher because then I know I got a good chance of going to heaven. <laughs> That's not why I'm doing this. <laughs> it's because of that. Not because of anything we've done. Because of the cross that preceded that is why we get to go to heaven if we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead. Confess that with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. Period. The infamous, well overused mic drop. The rest of this is just our purpose, our blessing, our joy, where we find our fulfillment. Advancing the kingdom of God, seeking first his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for this opportunity and this place where we can still come together freely and worship you. And uh, that we live in a state that we can do that. And we continue to pray for protection for all of us, Lord. And for healing for this land, for, for so many things. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that we have the hope that you died, not just for our sins, but for our sorrows, for our grief, that you carried our burdens. By your stripes we are healed. And, uh, Lord, we sometimes expect way too little. We worry about the things that to you are nothing because it's the bigger issue behind those things that you want to take care of. So, Lord, we just, we give those up to you. Sometimes we don't even know what they are. But we know, Lord, that they're there. And so any places where there's darkness and death and decay and, and distrust in our hearts, Lord, just open our eyes to see that so that we can present it to you and, and put it in the light and, and watch it be rolled away. And Lord, if there's anyone here who hasn't trusted you with their, with their hearts, 
with their salvation, with their eternity. They're still striving and, and wondering and, and crying out, Lord, are you even there? Are you even real? What happens to me? What, what is life about? What happens when I die? Jesus is the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's knocking on the door of your heart saying, come in. Let me come in and, and dine with you, he says in Revelation. The most intimate of acts that we can do with another person. Just sit down and have a meal with them. He just wants to come in and be part of your life. To give you life. If that's you this morning, you want to say yes to Jesus. Everyone has their heads bowed and their eyes closed. I don't know everyone here. I don't know where they're at. Don't be offended. Don't be embarrassed. Just between you and me and Jesus right now, if you want to say yes to Jesus and invite him into your heart and start that walk today into eternity, just look at me and raise your hand real quick. I'll agree with you. Saying yes to Jesus today. the Lord to show you what he probably already has. It's probably something you've been wrestling with for a while. If there's something hidden behind a stone or a stone that you need removed, say, Lord, I, I keep pushing on a stone and nothing's happening. I, I want to trust you with it. I want to get past this because I want, I want your life released in me fully. I want to follow you wherever you lead. in your heart, in your mind, however you want to do it, just between you and him, just say, yes, Lord, I hear you, I believe, I've come to the garden, I've seen the stone you rolled away, I believe, I trust you, I want to walk in the purpose that you have for me, one step at a time, into glory. We pray all these things. Give you praise and glory and love. In Jesus' name. Amen.